now betting for the sports animal. Your afternoon drive. Number two, Menon, Van Nunley, and Fred Slow. And in the on deck circle, Amory Castillo. This is Two Men On with Van Nunley and Fred Slow. Thank you very much. Thank you. That, that's the lowest I've ever seen Dick Vitale since the, the owner of the Detroit Pistons called him in and told him he should go into broadcasting. Right? Uh, I can't tell you what an honor it is to even be mentioned the same breath with an Arthur Ashe. Um, this is something I certainly will, will treasure forever. But as, as uh, was said on the tape, I, and I also I don't have one of those things going to cue cards, so I'm going to speak longer than anybody else has spoken tonight. That, that's the way it goes. Time, time is very precious to me. I don't know how much I have left, and I have some things that I would like to say, hopefully, at the end, I'll have something that will be uh, important to, uh, to other people, too. But I can't help it. Now when I'm fighting cancer, everybody knows that. Uh, and people ask me all the time about how you, you go through your life and how's your day. And nothing has changed for me, as Dick said. I'm a very emotional, passionate man. I can't help it. That's being the son of Rocco and Angelina Valvano. That just comes with the territory. right? We hug, we kiss, we love. And, and when people say to me, how do you get through... Uh, life or, or each day is the same thing. To me, there are three things we all should do every day. We do this every day of our life. You're going to have, what a wonderful, number one is laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two is think. You should spend some time in thought. And number three is you should have your emotions moved to tears. Could be happiness or joy. But think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week, you're going to have something special. And so, I can't help. I rode on the plane up today with Mike Krzyzewski, my, my good friend and a wonderful coach, but people don't realize he's a ten times better person than he is a coach, and we know he's a great coach. He's meant a lot to me in these last five or six months of my battle. But when I look at Mike, I think we competed against each other as players. I coached against him for 15 years, and I always have to think, about what's important in life is to think to me of three things, where you started, where you are, and where you're going to be. Those are the three things that I try and do every day. And you know, when I think about getting up and giving a speech, I can't help it. I have to remember the first speech I ever gave. I was coaching at Rutgers University. That was my first job. All I, oh, that's a, wonderful. And I was the freshman coach. That's when freshmen played on freshman team. And I was so fired up about my first job. I see Lou Holtz, Coach Holtz here. What was it like the first job you had, right? The very first time you stood in the locker room to give a pep talk. That's a special place, the locker room, for a coach to give a talk. So my idol as a coach was Vince Lombardi. And I read this book called Commitment to Excellence by Vince Lombardi. And in the book, Lombardi talked about 
the first time he spoke before his Green Bay Packer team in a locker room. There were plenty of losers. And I'm reading this, and Lombardi said he was thinking, should it be a long talk, a short talk? But he wanted to be emotional. He said, be brief. And this is what he did. He, he, normally, you get in a locker room, I don't know, 25 minutes, a half hour before the team takes the field. You do your little X and O's, and then you give the great Newt Rockney talk. We all do. Speech number 84. You pull him right out. You get, you get ready. Get your squad ready. Well, this is the first one I ever gave. And I read this thing, Lombardi. What he said was, he didn't go in. He waited. His team was wondering, where is he? Where is this great coach? He's not there. Ten minutes. He's still not there. Three minutes before to take the field, Lombardi comes in, bangs the door open. And I think you all remember what great presence he had, right? Great presence. And he walked in, and he just walked back and forth like this, just walked, staring at the players. And he said, all eyes on me. I'm reading this in his book. And I'm getting a picture of this Lombardi before the, his first game. And he said, gentlemen, we will be successful this year. You can focus on three things and three things only. Your family, your religion, and the Green Bay Packers. And, he, uh, and the rest of it, they knocked the walls down. The rest was history. I said, that's beautiful. I'm going to do that. Your family, your religion, and Rutgers basketball. That's it. I had it. I'm, listen, I'm 21 years old. The kids I'm coaching are 19. All right? And, I, and I'm going to be the greatest coach in the world, the next Lombardi. And I'm, ready, and I'm practicing out in a, right, right, right inside the locker room. The, the manager's telling me, you got to go in. Not yet, not yet. Family, religion, Rutgers basketball. All eyes on me. I got it, I got it. And then finally he said, three minutes. I said, fine. True story. I go to knock the doors open, just like Lombardi. Boom. It didn't open. I almost broke my arm. I was like, you know, it was one that didn't open. Now I'm down. The players are looking. You know, coach, get, uh, help the coach up. Help him up. You know? And now I did like Lombardi. I walked back and forth. Right? And I was going like that with my arm. Get the feeling back in it. And finally I said, gentlemen, all eyes on me. These kids wanted to play. They're 19. Let's go. I said, gentlemen, we'll be successful this year if you can focus on three things and three things only. They said, yeah. said your family, your religion, and the Green Bay Packers, I told you. <laughs> I did that. I remember that. <laughs> I remember. I remember where I came from. It's so important to know where you are. And I know where I am right now. How do you go from where you are to where you want to be? And I think it, it, you have to have an enthusiasm for life. You have to have a dream, a goal. You have to be willing to work for it. I talked about my family. My family is so important. People think I have courage. The courage of my family is my wife, Pam, my three daughters here, Nicole, Jamie, Leanne, my mom, who is right here, too. And, and, and that screen is flashing up there 30 seconds. Like, I care about that screen right now, huh? I got, I got, I got tumors all over my body. I'm worried about some guy in the back going 30 seconds, huh? You got a lot. Hey, phenomenal, buddy. Yeah, you got a lot. <laughs> right, it should be. I got. I just got one last thing. I urge all of you, all of you, to enjoy your life, the precious moments you have, to spend each day with some laughter and some thought, to get your emotions going, to be enthusiastic every day. And Ralph Waldo Emerson said, nothing great can be accomplished without enthusiasm. To keep your dreams alive in spite of problems, whatever you have, to be able to work hard for your dreams to, become, to come true, become a reality. Now I, I look at where I, I am now, and I know what I want to do. 
What I would like to be able to do is to spend whatever time I have left and to give and maybe some hope to others. All right, Arthur Ashe Foundation is a wonderful thing. And, and AIDS, the, the, the amount of money pouring in for AIDS is not enough, but it is significant. But if I told you it's 10 times the amount that comes in for cancer research, I also tell you that 500,000 people will die this year of cancer. And I also tell you that one in every four will be afflicted with this disease. And yet, for somehow, we seem to have put it in a little bit of the background. I want to bring it back on the front table. We need your help. I need your help. We need money for research. It may not save my life. It may save my children's lives. It may save someone you love. And it's very important. And ESPN has been so kind to support me in this endeavor and allow me to announce tonight that with ESPN's support, which means what? Their, 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 their money, their dollars, that they're helping me. We are starting the Jim, Jimmy V Foundation for Cancer Research. And its, and its motto is, don't give up, don't ever give up. And that's what I'm going to try to do. Every minute that I have left, I will thank God for the day and the moment I have. And if you see me, smile and maybe give me a hug, because that's important to me too. But try, if you can, to support, whether it's AIDS or the Cancer Foundation, so that, that someone else might survive, might prosper, and might actually be cured of this dreaded disease. I can't thank ESPN enough for allowing this to happen, and I'm going to work as hard as I can, you know, for cancer research, and hopefully we'll be, maybe we'll have some cures and some breakthroughs, and I'd like to think, I'm going to fight my brains out to be back here again next year for the Arthur Ashe recipient. I want to give it next year. I know I've got to go. I've, I've got to go, and I've got one last thing. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Cancer can take away all my physical abilities. It cannot touch my mind. It cannot touch my heart, and it cannot touch my soul. And those three things are going to carry on forever. I thank you, and God bless you all. The Jimmy V Foundation is celebrating their 30th year. That's kind of incredible, isn't it? That's wild. Do a lot of good for a lot of people. Big thank you to ESPN and the Jimmy P Foundation uh, for the audio that we just played. So we were talking about a little bit, obviously, the ESPYs were last night, and they're not what they used to be. Um, maybe that's just me growing older or whatever. I, I agree. Yeah. I don't think it matters as much anymore. Well, I don't think it ever matters. It never did. No, don't be silly. Well, <laughs> people, people tuned in at least a little bit. Uh, now everything's like everything that's important goes on Twitter. Well, I, people still tune in because there's nothing else going on. Like, I, I'll, I'll recognize it draws an audience. Um, but as organic and as special as the Jimmy B speech felt in 1993, that is a little bit lost to me as everything now feels to be very calculated. Everything be, feels to me to be very packaged. And I'm not even necessarily saying that that is wrong. I think Stuart Scott had a really banger speech a couple of years ago. Sure. Yeah. Megan Rampino has had some really powerful words before. There is there, it, it has its moments. It has its moments. It has its high marks. Not yeah. every year can be, yeah. you know, a banger of a speech. Now, Peyton Manning's monologue, 
few years ago. Pretty good. Banger. Yeah. Yeah. It's got its, it's, got its moments. Had one last night. Yeah, yeah. With DeMar. Yeah. That DeMar Hamlin thing was special. It yeah. was. Huge, it really was. Honestly. I mean, I think, I mean, for me personally, being like a Bills fan, it means probably a little bit more to me. But, like, honestly, like, because of how big of a moment that was for everybody, like, People that don't even watch sports were impacted by that to a degree. Well, I don't necessarily know if team's fandom has any sort of bearing. No, I don't no, think so I don't, either. I don't think it means more to you. I don't think it means more to me. I don't think it means more to the van. In my opinion, it means the exact amount it's supposed to to everyone. I agree. And, and what's kind of incredible about his moment last night that hit me was obviously the introduction and the Pat Tolman Award and, and kind of all those things that go along with it. But as soon as he said he finishes that sentence training staff, the the this is the entertainer in me, right? This is the talk show host. This is the you open your body up to those who are coming, like you like you're presenting them, like it's a pick and roll, right? Like you, like you pull your shoulder out, and he's the opposite. It was a retreat. It was it was a pull away from the stage. It was a he knew the emotion that was coming. He had to create a distance, a brace for it. For sure. And, and that I got goosebumps. So I'm talking to you guys. Same. Yeah. That, and that hit me really at home. There was just that little, and I. I doubt it even crossed his mind, but that little mannerism um, just reminded me of just how very real that whole situation was. A a lot of athletes have just giant personalities. You put a microphone in front of them, they're absolute naturals. Yeah. It was more real to me because DeMar Hamlin's not one of those dudes. No. I mean, no one knew who he was. Yeah. Unless, like, you actively kept up with, like, the Bills roster or, like, you know, you're a nerd to the game. But, like, he he was a six-round draft pick. You know, nobody knew who he was. He only got a chance because Micah Hyde got hurt and he had to play a lot of the season. And a lot of people still didn't really know who he was until that incident happened. It, it made it even more real for me. Like, I was, like some dudes are just chock full of charisma. Yeah. You put a microphone in front of them, they're naturals. There's a lot of those dudes in the sports world. You know, you got to have a personality, you know, in, in the Internet day. And he's he's not that. I'm not saying the speech wasn't beautiful. It made it more real to me. Mm-hmm. It seemed like just a dude. It seemed like a guy who really went through something and it was able to share it with everyone again and, and give these guys, you know, the, the credit that they deserved in a more real fashion instead of, like, the whole rest of the ESPYs, which felt staged. It felt fake. It felt yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's – we were joking about it, not joking about it, watching – ESPN was running a setup of the seating chart or some dumb stuff. Yeah. Like, and if we were sitting at the, if we were belly up to the bar right now drinking Teller Vodkas, I would be using language right now that's not appropriate. For Same. Like, yeah, because <laughs> that's how dumb it was. You know, uh, hey, we're going to put both Kelsey brothers next to each other. Like, I, I, okay, why is this on TV? You know, and um, with the ESPYs and DeMar Hamlin specifically, the one part that I felt short of what it could have been, love recognizing the Bills training staff. Right. Bring Cincinnati with them. I, I think so, too. Yeah. I if think that was the, important, too. Yeah, if you'd have brought the Bengals training staff out, I would have been even more elated. And the doctors at the University of Cincinnati when he first went there, too. Oh, sure, all, yeah. yeah. Could have been a lot. Could have been a lot more. But, no, it was, it, was, it was fitting, and it was tremendous. And the Pat Tillman Award, which is kind of blanketed in some weird stuff anyways. Yeah. Um, cool. Cool. Cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, that watching his speech was definitely impactful to me because, one, he's the same age as me. Yeah. I was in a Bills bar watching the game all together where the bar was so rowdy and then went silent. You know, and it hit, it hit so at home. I wrote, yeah. uh, I wrote a little uh, journey, uh, journal entry after that night, and uh, 
it puts so much perspective into my world that, uh, you know, every day is a blessing, just like how Jimmy V said. And it's one of those moments that are bigger than sports. Yeah, 100%. Because, you know, we we host Monday Night Football watch parties at Howie's Sports Page, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite places on earth. And, you know, just like you're describing, it was a fun, rowdy bar atmosphere. We have a blast there every Monday during football season. And the calm, the hush, the quiet while we're all discussing what we just saw. Like, it's one of those bigger than sports moments where, like, you'll remember where you are forever. Do you want to talk about the Tillman aspect? Because there's no way that the Tillman family is appreciative of Pat's name being shilled out for NFL marketing. And I don't know how deeply you guys dive into this. I I feel like I kind of talk about it every year. This, to me, feels like the opposite of what Pat Tillman would want. I think so, too. I I don't think he would want that kind of recognition. You know, he just... He did what he had to do for himself by enlisting and yeah. all of that. And, you know, that was a personal decision for him. And uh, he seemed like a pretty humble man. He could have been a multimillionaire. Well, he was. Well, like, he, he quit. Well, even more. Yeah. And what's interesting is the Pat Tillman Foundation, right? Pat Tillman Foundation. I know for a lot of years it was like a side-by-side stride with the NFL. I think the last five, six years it's been the exact opposite of that. Like, they've tried to escape the NFL. They've tried to go and do their own thing and tell their own message. And you can't really find a bigger platform on a day with no sports than what the NFL and ESPN did last night. Not on ESPN, by the way, on ABC. Right, yeah. To use the name? I, don't, I mean... It's just, I, it's kind, it feels slightly exploitative. It, I think it's more than slightly. Yeah, it's exactly that. I mean, everything about his legacy... What he did was amazing. What he did was brave. But we don't talk about the truth of what happened to Pat Tillman. Well, there's that, too. Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, that was it was a pretty... Yeah, it was dark. It was horrible. Yeah. And then using what he did, what he went through, his bravery to, you know, flag-waving is, is what I'll use it for. While it should be a cautionary tale as opposed to a point of pride, the narrative has been twisted, and it's hard to see. Yeah. Well, and... You know, the Green Beret, right? Yeah. Opp- opposed to war. Wrote about it publicly. Like, shared right. the message. Quote-unquote friendly fire? Yeah. yeah. Like, and it's um, incredibly vexing. And, and again, I, I know his widow, who's on the, the board of the foundation, has said things both ways. Like, and, and you can't have it both ways. You can either be very pro the NFL's involvement or you can be very against it. And I don't know which one today she's currently at. I don't know if she was sitting in attendance Last night, I cannot tell you these things. What I can tell you is you can celebrate things on their own merit, and DeMar Hamlin could have been celebrated on his own merit. We're tied in the Jimmy V. It's not really cancer, but tied into. Or how about all that money that DeMar Hamlin was donated, which he's going to start his own foundation. Love that. Why, yeah. not, why not launch his foundation? Love that. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, just, I don't know, wild night. Wild Nine of Sports, and, and again, and Amory, come back in with us on this one. That first time you heard that Jimmy V speech, I don't think it was 93 for me. I think I was too young. I think I was nine years old. I didn't understand the relevancy of it. Yeah, I was I was even born. You weren't yet. even alive, yeah. right. I, I think the first time it super hit home with me was maybe I was a teenager, I guess. Maybe I was 
it was being replayed on something, and I caught it like late at night on one of those insomniac kind of nights. The it hit home a little different. Amory, where were you the first time you took in uh, Jimmy V's 1993 SBC speech? I, I I for sure wasn't taking it in 1993, but I just remember uh, growing up because I started getting real into sports mid 90s. It's just you would see it on the replay, and um, as I got older, and Fred, I appreciate you bringing up because. Um, talking about your dad and everything because it affects so many people and i definitely feel different about it now like than when yeah. i did before especially because now cancer has affected my life personally but man it's it's incredible and that's 30 years ago so um and it just still hits every year like every year so but i was like mid 90s when it got introduced into my life to answer your question van where were you at uh, I, I saw it later. Yeah. Uh, me being a sports fan, a sports entertainment fan, I saw it a few years after the fact on one of the, you know, the all-day fundraisers. Y- yeah. yeah. And yeah. then I was exposed to parts of the speech, and obviously, you know, with Internet access, I checked out the whole thing and was just immediately moved. And it's it, Jimmy V's speech is still something that I always have in my toolbox. Yeah. yeah. If I'm I feeling pathetic, if yeah. I'm feeling sorry for myself, if I'm yep. feeling like... You know, it's it's not worth going on that day. It's something that I always know is there for me that I can listen to, I can take part of, and it always hits me where it needs to every single time. I think I've shared it with young adults, and I think if the, if you were a, a type who maybe felt like they had a struggle with a public communication or a public speaking or a, anything of that nature, there is a way be able to present a message and do it with emotion and present a message and do it with an with an invested audience and i think it's a master class i think it's a master class absolutely of introduction of concept i think it's a master class of communicating an idea and lastly i think it's a master class of assigning emotion to that and i don't know if you'll find a better example in public speaking than jimmy v sitting with terminal cancer weeks before his death uh talking to the world about how post-mortem is he's going to change it. I mean, days before, on a hospital bed. Yeah. And, I mean, Just I, drained. Not, I, a, not enough energy to get out of bed. It's, it's it conjures, conjures enough strength, strength to stand in front of all those people and Wild. deliver one of the greatest speeches in the history of the world. Caught a private jet owned by Mike Krzyzewski, flown out to the event the day before. Like, like receiving treatment on the jet. Right. Like in transit. That's crazy. I mean, I think it's just because of how authentic and genuine he is talking totally. about it. Yeah. You know, because he knows exactly what is going to happen to him. And he put his heart and soul into it. And, like, I think to a degree he knew how impactful it could it could have been. It would be. Well, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, you know, maybe I, maybe I don't know. Because I can't think of an example of it being done before. I can't think of an example, and maybe it exists, and correct me if I'm wrong, 505-246-0610. I'll look it up, too. I'll do some research. But I feel like we're all almost in the same age range, too, where that was like, I don't know, we were kids when that happened. We're That's pretty young. Point. Yeah, I was like probably like 13 or 14 when I first like really understood what was going on because I still watched SportsCenter and I saw it. You know, sure. I was like, who's this guy? What's up with all this? Then I got older, learned more history about everything. And uh, well, in 20 years from now, when Van and I are retired from this thing and you're in your 20th year, are you doing a similar bit with maybe like Stuart Scott's speech? Uh, yeah, that one yeah. has a lot of impact yeah. for me, too. Like Stuart Ooh. Scott's speech is like my Jimmy B speech yeah. or like being like live and present for it. 
I can think of some real strong political stuff before that. I can think of a handful of things, but I can't necessarily think of. Yeah, that's that's what came to mind immediately is Oval Office. Yeah. Yeah. Like presidents presid- presidents mm-hmm. trying to calm down the populace and telling you that things are going to be okay. You know, that's that's the only thing I can reach for. Like, this is obviously it's sports, but it's beyond sports. And probably some stuff in music before at concerts and whatnot, but I can't think of anything on the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know. Momentous. And even 30 years later, um, maintaining the momentum that was created at that time. So, yeah, uh, thank you guys for, for letting us go down that rabbit hole a little bit. Thank you for the fun that was associated with it and the emotion. When we get back from the break, we didn't talk about it, but let's talk about it. Um, the Yankees have a classic jersey. <laughs> They have the, an iconic logo. The most iconic, in my opinion, the most iconic in all the sports. The most iconic sports logo is probably the Yankees logo. Correct. And it's not that they've changed the logo, but they've made a change to the jersey in the Bronx, and we'll talk to you about that whenever we get back. It's two men on 95.9 FM and AM 610. The, sports. the opening drive with Jeff Symbiak. You can see me flex for now, I'm no stranger. I make it hot to death. Back on the program live at ABQX. What a good little day here at ABQX. Bunch of people in and out throwing axes. A big old party. It's some cute date nights. Yeah. Got some bros here sipping some oat sodas. Let's go. Let's How go. about every situation you could expect here? Half off while we're here. Not quite. Oh, it's not quite half? $7.50 off per person, per lane, per hour. So it might as well be half off. That's what I just said. Might as well be. It's normally 15 bucks, right? I'll tell you what you can do. Okay. With that $7.50 an hour you save, okay. you take it right over to the bar, get yourself a delicious Red Door beer. I think that's a great idea. Thank you. I'm somewhat of a genius myself. It's not what the word genius means. What? Since when? The Yankees have <laughs> unveiled a new uniform advertisement sponsor. Something called Star Companies? Have you guys Ugh. heard of this? I don't uh, care if it was the Jimmy V Foundation. I hate it. I don't support advertising on sports jerseys. Oh, I do. Except for soccer. I do. Like, yeah, go crazy. Yeah, I super do. Just not the Yankees. Don't ruin the pinstripes. This is an American institution. I don't even like the stupid Yankees. This upsets me. Well, they're the they're the 13th MLB team to now have a, a sponsor. They all have, like, financial ones, too. The Cardinals yeah. one is a financial one, Stifle or whatever that is. They all have, like, a like a banking something, something, something. And I'm into this. I'm into the way that the golfers do it. I'm into the way that UFC guys used to be allowed to do it. I'm into the way NASCAR does it. Like, I don't care at all about Jeff Gordon. I love DuPont for some reason. Hmm. Like, it's all of this works for me. I don't think it works with, like, like basketball, football, or baseball, or hockey. Like, in terms of, like, those jerseys and everything. I didn't and have now the, that it's a new trend and everything, it's just disgusting to me. I don't, I, don't, I don't mind it on football. I don't mind it on basketball. I don't mind it on most baseball jerseys. But to me, it just seems like sacrilege. Because this it's is the like, Yankees? It's the Yankees. Well, the part this that, is an American institution. All of American history is wrapped around Major League Baseball. And capitalism. And capitalism. Thank and, you very much. And the Yankees just decided to combine the two. I just, it, it hurts. Like, all of the, like, the new generations of jerseys, like, it doesn't bother me at all. You got a little square patch on the chest or the sleeve or across the back, whatever. But just something about defacing the pinstripes 
it irks me. It hurts. It's like it's unnatural. I don't like seeing it. It's like friggin' eyebrows on a Mona Lisa. <laughs> the the direction you didn't go, which I thought you were going to go, and we didn't talk about this beforehand. We got more in this segment. Is I thought you were going to go <laughs> of all the uh, the audacity of the Yankees is where I thought you were going to go to tell your guys they can't have beards, to tell your guys they can't have long hair, to tell your guys they can't paint their fingernails, yeah. to tell your guys all these things, and then you're going to go ahead and sell out the sleeve of what is the most iconic look outside of the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, get out of here. Don't bring sports. your Cardinals garbage yeah, in here. No. It's the Yankees and everyone else. That's where I thought you were going to go with this. Oh. Like, like, how dare they? Yeah, you can say what we can and what we can't do, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to break over 100 years of tradition, and we're going to throw a logo on these beautiful pinstripes. Yeah. Again, I'll say it. I don't care about the Yankees. I like to see the Yankees lose. But also, this is iconic. This is historic. And you're ruining it. And look what they did to my boy Harrison Bader. You're going to put a friggin', <laughs> you're going to put a friggin', like, a little tiny hipster beanie on the frickin' Washington Monument or something? Like, what are you doing? I don't know. I think if, if the Yankees got, like, a way more, like, New York sponsor, you know, it would be a lot better. Hold on. Sponsored by Cat Size Rats. <laughs> Sponsored by Joe's Pizza. Yeah. What's what's the most famous New York thing? Statue of Liberty, right? Sponsored by Freedom. I'm in on this. Sponsored by Muggings. Yeah, never Sponsored forget. Sponsored by Timberlands. That's, what? That's not Tim's? New York. Oh, yeah, it is. Sponsored by Timberlands and Puffy Jackets. That's, guys, you know what the real answer is? It'd be some weird stuff like, like hipster, like... Sponsored by gentrification. Yes, that's what it would end up being. It would be Wall Street Journal would be a good one. They don't even have an. They don't even have a sports department. It's the New York Times. It's the New York Times yeah. hot take. That would be the one. That what am I trying to think of? Not the Bronx. Not Manhattan. Not Long Island. Queens. Harlem. Now what's the other one? Staten Island. Brooklyn. The one. Brooklyn. Got, yeah, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. The one that got gentrified. Yeah, that one's super weird. Now. Yeah. I'm not trying to go there. Now it's all patchouli and Birkenstocks over there now. They yeah, ruined it. I have a buddy that lives in Brooklyn, and uh, I tell him he needs to get out of there. Because <laughs> he's just You're ruining the, the culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You didn't move to New York. You moved to Portland, It Steve. used to be a dangerous city. Yeah. <laughs> the, I've been to... the element of danger is part of it. I mean, that should be the sponsor, just like a bloody knife. The Brooklyn Bridge. Like, do something cool like that. Like, like New York... Department of Transportation. NYPD. So, so that's a good one. Yeah. You put that one on there. Or how about, hear me out. Sabaros. Don't put anything. <laughs> Not Sabaros. Joe's Pizza. <laughs> if you know, you know. There was a stupid NFL thing a couple years ago where the NFL went from, I want to say it was Rawlings, but maybe that's not right. Reebok. They went Reebok. from Reebok to Nike jerseys. And Nike changed the neckline and all the jerseys. And the crybaby Green Bay Packers were like, "We're not going to change our neckline. We're we're too we're too good for that." Right. This should, the Yankees should have grabbed some Green Bay Packers energy on this. They should have. They should yeah. have stood up for them damn selves. You, they're you have, the ones that got the sponsorship deal. You have working. you have the whole stadium. Paint the stadium in Star Insurance or whatever is. It's on the website. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I literally pulled up the Star website, and it's like the first page is like new proud partner of the Yankees. Oh, I thought it was on the Yankees website. No, no. That's oh, never mind. The, I don't yeah, care about yeah, that. No. That was not Yeah, you got a whole stadium to paint up like a NASCAR. Leave the jerseys alone. I hope there's a giant outpour. I hope there's a giant – I hope there's a coup by Yankees fans who will not allow this. Just 86 and boycott – 
yeah. all Yankees stuff and start becoming a real New York fan. Yeah, there the you Mets. go. I don't mind at all, like, the pearl clinching of, like, your love of the pinstripes. Like, I'm into that. Like, I'm super into that. But it's kind of like a gateway, right? Like, you're going to get, like, last names on jerseys? Like, you're going to get, What's like, next? Yeah. yeah. What's next? This is, you're opening up the floodgates. Next thing you know, these Yankees are going to just be a bunch of hippies. Long mm-hmm. hair, beards. Yeah. It used to be a proper league. Threads Social Media, the left calf sponsor of the New York <laughs> Yankees. This That's what's next. Every single body part, every single part of the pin. You don't even see the pinstripes anymore. It's just going to look like the back of your computer with all those stickers all over it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that's all it's going to look like. Also, if you want to be the guy that's real cynical, you want to be that guy? For years, the New York Yankees said, because of tradition. Yeah, for sure. We're not going to put your name's not important to us, the Yankees organization, Derek Jeter, to put it on the back of a jersey. You know whose name is important to us? Whatever the name of this dumb sponsor. What is it? Uh, Star, uh, Star, Star Insurance. Star His yeah. name is important to us to put on a Yankees uniform. Not you, Don Mattingly. All I know is George Steinbrenner is uh, turning in his casket right now. Oh, he's dead? I think he is. <laughs> I'm assuming he's dead. But also, like, there's dead. a dozen other teams that have done this exact thing. We did not care at all. Also, no one's watching Cardinals games, so no one knew they even had stifle or whatever it is i'm curious to see what other it's ins- teams it's have insane to piggyback on what you just said the only name that's ever been on a yankees jersey is cornelius vanderstar mm-hmm. that's his friggin name yeah cornelius vanderstar they no ruth no garrig no dimaggio no. no jeter no mattingly no friggin rivera dead ass cornelius vanderstar dead ass they would not allow Nike to put the swoosh on the on-field jersey. That's the amount of pull that the New York Yankees have, and they're going with CVS, Cornelius Vanderstar. It's sad. It's a bummer. It's weird. Part of baseball's lore to real baseball fan is it's directly tied to American history. It is old. It is Old. There's a reason why they call it America's pastime. Yes. Let's talk about that. used to be the only one. Let's talk about that one when we get back because had the Yankees fallen to just another team in Major League Baseball instead of the pride of Major League Baseball? It's two men on 95.9 FM and AM 610. The sports animal. Details. Have the Yankees become just another baseball team instead of the pride of Major League Baseball? I almost feel a little bit like Jake Cassio who sits next to me at 25, is that right? 24. 24? You don't even really know what the Yankees are. Uh, Like, to a degree, I do, like, a little bit. I mean, you want to hear my favorite Yankees joke? Sure. How many Yankee fans does it take to change a light bulb? I'd, uh... None, because they reminisce about the old one. Okay. Yeah. Let's make that a Cowboys joke. Yeah, it's like a, yeah. That's a better Cowboys joke. It's a better Cowboys <laughs> joke. I just hate the Yankees. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. We know you do, buddy. That's okay. There's, like, no reason to hate them anymore. I mean, I think just because I'm a Mets fan and they're, like, the big brother to us. Well, they were the default hated team just because of 100 years of success. The 10s, the 2010s were the first decade since baseball began. That the Yankees didn't win a, 
a world championship. So, so they're not the Yankees anymore. Last one they won was 09, so that's Luis tracks. Gonzalez killed them. Like, that was it. I don't think he did. I think he did, but he didn't. So Luis Gonzalez, you're talking about 2001? Correct. Yeah. So that's the Arizona Diamondbacks, former Houston Astro, the walk-off, blah, blah, blah. They were killed by the Boston Red Sox in the ALDS 03 comeback. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That was the death of the Yankees. Three, three short years later? Yeah. Yeah. Because they were still in the mix after that World Series that they should have won. You know, it, Luis Gonzalez and a ragtag bunch of... After September 11th, even. That was wild. Yeah. That was super wild. I think it's Alex Rodriguez. Keep going. Reverse the curse of the Bambino. Mm-hmm. Alex Rodriguez just... It, it, it's just a cloud of dark energy. No. No, it's not him. It's... It's a little bit different than him. It's like, and this is going to sound like he's not a bad guy. It's like Mark Teixeira's. It's guys that they brought in that they tried to claim were big deals. And, like, Jason Giambi is an example. Jason Giambi was a very good baseball player for a lot of years. He's not what the Yankees told you he was. He wasn't as big of a deal. And then some guys that weren't as good as you thought they were had bigger stage. Bernie Williams, for example. Bernie Williams had the biggest stage because he played center field for the New York Yankees. He was not ever, well, maybe ever, top 10 center fielder in the league at any time. Maybe. Just a part of the Yankees. Part of the Yankees. Yeah, a valuable piece of the team, but he was never that guy. Never, ever. Jeter was a compiler. Jeter, his whole career, was never the best player on the field. Ever. Oh, but bo- he did it at an above-average level for 22 years. Pos- it, Posada, Posada, maybe? same. Yeah. Yeah, none of, in the Yankees' dynasty, none of them were ever the best player on the field. Not a single one of them. Tino but they were a team. They were a team. And I think uh, when Mariano Riviera left, that was a big part for him, too. His retirement was fitting. There were points when they had the best pitcher, I guess. Roger Clemens. Well, a lot of people had him. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Andy Pettit. I mean, they, they refused. They thought they were just because they're the Yankees, just because people wanted to play in New York, just because people wanted to play in the pinstripes, because of the history and relevancy to the game of baseball, they didn't evolve with the game. The Oakland A's of the oh, world. Oh, you're hitting a good point. The Oakland yeah. A's of the world. The Tampa Bay Rays of the world. Go the to, Houston Astros of the world. The Chicago Cubs. The real one, though, you're not even – there's two of them. The New York Yankees are two teams. They're the Notre Dame Fighting Irish of football, and they're the Dallas Cowboy football team in the NFL. Riding on history. Never did anything. Never evolved, didn't change with the game, and the game just left them in the dust. Now they have to overspend for players, and it doesn't have the same mystique. Well, I've been saying this all season for baseball, that like the rich teams don't have success anymore. You can't buy a World Series anymore. And I think that is also part of the Yankees' whole dynasty is they've always kind of been able to do that. Right, for the longest time. Yeah, and you know, and now everybody else is kind of catching up to that idea like the Padres and the Mets and you know all these other big spenders and they're not having a good season no at all none of these guys and are. then the young upstarts who really care about player development your Tampa Bay Rays first place Cincinnati Reds first place Arizona Diamondbacks first place with tiny budgets percentages of the Yankees I don't know where their care is directed though because I don't necessarily know Young player wants to work hard. They want to be successful to do what? Get paid by the Yankees eventually. And I think Major League Baseball teams, small market ones specifically, the ones you just named, 
They are the best at speaking that language. Sure. It's just like college recruiting. Hey, you're going to come here for four years. You're going to compile a bunch of really good numbers. And then we're going to ship you off to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come here and earn it. Win a chip. Or you do the best of both worlds and you're the Atlanta Braves and you develop and scout and draft better players and pay them ahead of time for pennies on the dollar and you're going to be the best in baseball for a decade. They will be the best team in baseball for the next 10 years. That is correct. Two men on. 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Annual. And traffic right now, some good news. That crash uh, northbound I-25 as you approach Bernalillo, that has been cleared. Bad news is we're still seeing quite a bit of slowdowns in that area, but things are getting better. So just be patient as you make your way through there. Elsewhere right now, westbound on I-40 between Carlisle and Coors. Traffic moving slow there. Southbound on I-25, Osuna to Comanche, dealing with uh, congestion in that area. Westbound, Paseo, Jefferson to the river. Traffic still moving slow there.